So what we've seen is this new buzzword called sustainability. Um, and it's come uh, as a result of an, what I would describe as an organic move towards ESG. And what this means is that companies uh, that are using the services of other companies are wanting to know what their position is ESG, what their strategy is. And it's not purely because uh, there are regulations uh, emerging, but because they believe that they have a social a responsibility to their own shareholders. Hello, and welcome to The Finterview, where we talk to inspiring people in the world of fintech about their journey and impact in the industry. I'm Daniel Cronin, co-founder and COO of Integrated Finance, and I'll be your host today, where we'll get to talk to Lorraine Watt and Nick Hunt from Thistle Initiatives. This will be a two-part series, and in this first part, we're going to talk about the FCA Dear CEO letter and the role of ESG in fintech. We're thrilled to introduce Thistle Initiatives, a company that caters to businesses of all sizes, from startups to industry leaders. Thistle Initiatives assists with bringing your innovative ideas to the market, untangling your regulatory obligations and obtaining FCA authorization. Um, Nick, Lorraine, delighted to have you on board. Um, please, uh, would you give us a short introduction of yourself? Uh, yeah, well, my name is Nick Hunt. Uh, I'm a senior manager here at the Thistle Initiatives. Uh, I sit in the investment team. Uh, my background is 30 plus years in uh, UK financial services. Um, I've worked for major product providers uh, in distribution through to working at the Rockface uh, in distribution companies, in IFAs, uh, head of compliance, head of MLRO, uh, head of risk, etc. Uh, so have a very, very a uh, lot of experience over a number of years in a whole range of different uh, challenges that uh, distributors of financial products have um, and uh, dealing with a whole range of new regulation that's coming along. Um, and obviously ESG is one of the key focal points. Uh, and today, hopefully, uh, people will listening and watching this session will learn a little bit about what we think about this subject and hopefully this will help them move on. Thank you, Nick. Hi, everyone. My name is Lorraine Mott. I'm Head of Payment Services here at Thistle Initiatives. My background has been for the last eight years certainly in regulatory compliance consulting, um, having worked for two previous consultancy firms. But prior to that, I actually was in industry. I was Head of Compliance in one role, Head of Conduct Risk in another. So my experience in terms of financial services regulation is generally quite broad. Um, with a few sort of deeper dives into certain areas, such as payment services, of course. I've always worked in the world of financial services and prior to stepping into compliance, I was more operationally based. So I think I have quite a nice rounded, I guess, experience of the world of financial services, having worn several different hats uh, during my time. Thank you very much. Great intros, guys. Um, so, so just to set the scene, um, today we're going to discuss um, the uh, recent letters that have come out from the FCA. Uh, some of my compatriots in fintech feel this is one of the most strongly worded and and most explicit um, communiques from the FCA. The FCA are, are the FCA are famous for giving guidance, but allowing interpretation of of that guidance. Um, to, to to best suit uh, the entrepreneurs and the the founders that are trying to deliver a a specific solution to a specific market um it seems to me that 
the guidance and interpretation is being somewhat trimmed now and it's getting far more instructive. And it that culminated really in a recent letter to CEOs of 291 fintech firms uh, where the FCA highlighted a number of common failings that must be addressed to avoid an unacceptable risk of harm to their customers and to financial system integrity. In this podcast, we attempt to review the FCA's key findings, discuss their implications, provide fintechs and enterprises with actionable recommendations, and discuss the role of service providers in ensuring a sustainable future transition. Just going back to those words, guys, um, the word must and uh, unacceptable risk of harm, those are strong words. I'd love to hear your guys' thoughts um, on the ESG story. Give a bit of background on what this is, um, why uh, why is it important to a fintech, where have we come from, where are we now, where are we going? Indeed, Daniel. I think you know. I think that's a really good place to start, actually, because uh, we are definitely on a journey. I think the whole of the financial services industry in the UK is on a journey. Um, not just actually in the UK, but across Europe and across, in fact, across across the the globe. Um, and it's worth actually kind of working out how significant this is. I think the most important thing I would say is that this is something that's not going to go away. This is something that um, firms need to respond to. Uh, the FCA is uh, not only has this got legs and it's going to carry on, but the regulator, the FCA, certainly has teeth and it has shown. Uh, to be quite judgmental um, and quite uh, decisive in its action around uh, non-compliance. So yeah, but let's let's just kind of take a step back. So yeah, so you know ESG is definitely gathering pace. I'm sure if you haven't heard, you know if you haven't heard of ESG for the last few years, I don't know you know you must have been living under a stone because it's been the number one topic certainly in financial markets, um, not just as I said in the UK, but in the US has been seriously big time for many, many years. Um, and uh, yeah, so it's gathering pace. What we're getting to now is a standardization, perhaps, uh, of some of the things that we talk about. So environmental, social, and governance, I'm sure you're familiar with those terms, but the, the standardization of what those things mean. And you may recall, it all kind of kicked off back in Gay Paris in 2015, uh, in a meeting with 196 countries adopting a legally binding agreements it was called the uh it was the international treaty on climate change and it was known as the paris agreement um and it was basically it was an intention where all comp- all countries would come together with an, a single aim to limit global warming uh, and to achieve net zero which obviously uh, means you know that there is no the, the release of, of greenhouse gases into the atmosphere will be at a zero level or net zero level by 2050 and I think this sent a very clear message um, across, you know, that countries needed to take positive action to reduce carbon emissions and halt the uh, obviously emerging impacts. And it's, you know, you can't argue that uh, we have been experiencing those for a number of years. And it wasn't simple. It wasn't empty rhetoric. Uh, you know, I think you better buckle up because this is the way that not just, as I said, in the UK financial services, but entire the whole economy and all economies are having to respond to this. So um, up to now, though, I think the environmental issue has been 
quite marginal. Um, and what this has done, and what this Paris Accord Agreement has done, is is put this in front in front sort of centre stage. Um, and uh, only very few countries uh, have rescinded now on that Paris Agreement. So definitely positive energy behind it. And this has created a wave of political political energy um, across the globe, and it's become the so-called global ESG project, where countries are now have been beavering away on building their ESG strategies. Um, and you know you can't get away from the fact that you know climate change is creating a severe impact across the globe. But th there's also been a lot of resistance, of course, to this moving towards um, you know decarbonizing the world because it comes in itself with tremendous economic challenges for countries um and of course the last few years you you know countries have been slightly uh busy with dealing with covid-19 so it's quite understandable that uh, esg has been kind of had a, a mixed kind of growth it hasn't been entirely straightforward um but now it's got it to a point where um, it's become standardised. Things are starting to become standardised. It's becoming more, uh, as I said, more politicised. So what we've seen is this new buzzword called sustainability, um, and it's come uh, as a result of an, what I would describe as an organic move towards ESG. And what this means is that companies uh, that are using the services of other companies are wanting to know what their position is on ESG, what their strategy is. And it's not purely because uh, there are regulations uh, emerging, but because they believe that they have a social a responsibility to their own shareholders. And it's no surprise that there is increasing regulation around disclosure um, of the what's called SDRs, sustainable disclosure uh, regulations in the investment world that are coming. Um, and the same thing will apply in payment services as well. So. Clearly, the, the FCA have got behind this, um, but we'll come. We'll talk about perhaps we'll talk about the FCA's approach to later on. But essentially, I think it's important to recognise this is a subject that's not going away. Uh, it was. It will be something that we are getting more and more clearer now as as uh, as as time goes on. As to exactly what the regulators expect and what legislators expect of us in terms of um, disclosure of ESG and general practices to improve the efficiency of, uh, of, of companies. Thanks for that, Nick. So uh, just, just a couple of questions then. The, the key one here, when we're focusing on inv the, uh, the E in ESG is, what do you think FinTech's role in ESG is? Um, I, I think there's, there's, a lot, there's a lot of people out there who firmly buy into the ethos of of improving uh the world through through sustainability however i'm, I'm sure a, a number of people might argue well hang on fintech doesn't have that big a footprint it's it's primarily a software-led industry it it doesn't have a huge amount of emissions no matter how, how scaled the particular in um the particular payments company is there is probably an argument to say if you're a crypto, uh, if you're a crypto fintech, that might not be the case because of the the associations with the energy costs of of mining digital assets or specific digital assets. But what, what one of the FCA's um, 
tenets really is to ensure a thriving market. And there's a lot of people out there in the industry who, again, whilst buying into the ethos of this, say, if I'm expending uh, resource on improving my uh, sustainability, it's going to have a, a negative impact a negative effect on you know the the diversity of services available to the consumer in the market because i'm not spending resource on improving my product and making it new and innovative and fresh for people to consume i'm actually spending a large amount on reducing my carbon output which was extremely low because of the very virtue of my industry anyway I'd love to hear your thoughts around that. Okay, I think that's a really interesting point. And I think different to, you know, a large bank or in fact investment um, type firm, I think for, for fintechs and let's say payment services, I think the, the approach is, is, is quite different. Um, for sure, consumers themselves are becoming more and more aware of ESG and sort of the ethical side of business. And I think as a result of that, um, businesses, including fintechs, really need to um, themselves look at how they can support that. But but that said, really, and if we think about sort of waste and consumption as part of that, I think fintechs, payment services firms, I think already um, are already in a good place to to be honest with you, given that they use digital technology, which itself um, helps eliminate um, unnecessary waste. You know, there's less paper copies of documents, for example, uh, particularly looking at payment services. There's no um, need for cash, plastic cards. You know, um, people are issuing sort of a lot of e-wallets um, or eco version, sort of uh, eco-friendly sort of versions of, of payment cards, for example. We can have e-receipts instead of paper receipts. Um, so I think, you know, there there's already a number of things that, fintech payment services firms are doing actually so then i think it's a lot easier for them um i know some payment services firms that are already um offering sort of loyalty and reward to their customers in the form of offset uh, carbon um sort of programs so for example for every pound you spend uh, they'll set that off against some um co2 um sort of measure or they plant a tree something like that so you know, I think I think there's already a lot of things that that fintechs are doing, but maybe where um, where they kind of expand on the whole ESG piece is around things like uh, financial inclusion. You know, providing access in remote or um, in accessible areas, or even just in terms of that financial literacy literacy sorry initiatives. Um, I think can can definitely um, help expand. Uh, where they can support, um, I, I guess, and 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 play into this ESG initiative that that the FC is behind. I think I'll just add to to that, if I may, that uh, consumers are becoming much more switched on to this. Uh, I, I think they they not not because it's the latest trend, but because there's been a, lo- a certain amount of pent up demand. I think for for investing in what would be considered to be socially, you know, socially, uh, socially responsible investment. Um, and I mean, the FCA said that according to the investment association, net sales of, of in UK so-called responsible investment funds reached 12 billion pounds, uh, which was about 38% of the total net, uh, retail sales. Um, 
that means that consumers are making active choices. And I think the other benefit here is that, you know, consumers are realizing now that they don't have to just choose what's available to them. They can actually seek out, there's a lot more information available to them. They can, they can see if find information online. And, and certainly one of the things that I suspect your clients and your customers will be doing will be going to your website and looking to see before they engage with you, what is your position on these sorts of subjects? Um, and you know, you have to recognize that, that there are clients that are very, very strong minded on this subject. There are some clients that generally, generally can't be very, you know, not interested in it. It's all about, um, you know, the services they're getting, but there'll be a very broad base of people in the middle who would say, yeah, actually this may influence my, my, my decision as to use this service provider or not. So certainly on the one hand, the regulations are there and the government's has net zero targets and expecting the regulators to enforce it. And, but on the other hand, there are huge opportunities for payment service providers um, to to recognise that this is a great opportunity, a new service, and a new proposition they can offer their clients. So I think it's a it's a it's a bit of a win win, really. I think if I could maybe just add to that as well, I think if we from a, from a customer perspective, obviously, yep, as as next just um, described, there's there's lots of upsides, but also from a employee satisfaction. Um, perspective as well. I think more employees coming into the workplace now are looking um, to work with firms that have more of that sort of social credibility as well. Um, and I think that then um, the effect of that then becomes a bit more of an intrinsic motivator um, for for employees. Um, and with that, of course, comes this concept as well, which everyone's kind of more behind now than ever before of inclusion and diversity. And I think if you get all of that right also, that's just going to re lead to better um, retention rates, uh, positive branding for your business. Thanks. Super helpful. And I, I just want to ha have a, a little little bit more of an exploration. How, how much of this is, um, is globally led? How much of it is uh, f uh, f follow following market expectations? I, I know that the... The UK and the EU, obviously, since Brexit, have slightly differing views on this. Um, what What are your thoughts on how um, how operating here in the UK as as a natural trade partner to the EU and and the EEA in pretty much three hundred and sixty degrees around the UK? How how, how does the EU impact the UK on this? Uh, well, I think it, I'll just take that question initially. I'm sure. Uh, Lorraine will will add to that, but I think you know certainly yes. Of course, this started off in the European Union, uh, but the the UK is very much sees this and is central to its policy um, and its strategy for the coming years. The FCA grabbed this with both hands um, at the um, at the COP twenty six uh, climate change conference. They kicked off their own strategy at that meeting. So you know the reality is is that. Uh, which is, I think is a positive thing, is that the UK government and the regulators are taking it very seriously. Um, and it's almost as if, regardless of what happens in Europe, the UK does recognise that it has responsibility on the world stage. It wants to continue to, to demonstrate that it, has a force for, it is a force for good. Um, but yeah, there are, I think, um, you know, I think there's, there's real positive benefits. But yeah, I think that's, uh, yeah, I would say. 
Yeah, I'm um, just to add to that. I think since our, our um, since Brexit, since our, our exit from Europe, I think the regulators in general in the UK have looked to sort of gold plate a lot of the the standards that maybe uh, initially came from Europe. I think you know we they certainly are not going to. Um, I think especially for businesses in the UK who still have to be competitive in Europe. I think having those the same standards, um, I think are are super important for business. Full stop. But one thing I think you know, because we talk about ESG, we very very easily just go to all the sort of um, you know sustainability, and you know we talk about environment, all very important. But there's one key element here of that ESG, and um, which is the G for me around governance, and this. Um, for the FC, certainly uh, governance, particularly in payment services firms, fintech firms, is something that there's been quite a close focus on. It's coming through for interactions with the regulator uh, application authorization stage, but also from a supervision um, point as well. So, you know, I think that quite often a firm's governance um, is, is what's behind and driving some of these initiatives. So things like, you know, I'm looking at board diversity, which brings that independent challenge, effective oversight, accountability, transparency, and good conduct, which good governance brings, equates then to, to the good ethics of an organization. So I think whilst it's good to think of all the environmental and social things, I think firms also really ought to be paying attention to how effective their, their governance arrangements are internally. Yeah, and I think the other... The other aspect of that is essentially, you know, we know, I'm sure you know, your listeners will, will now how, know how the FCA regulates uh, the UK industry, financial services industry is taking a an approach where it sees senior managers as the most responsible individuals and they're, they're, expect, they're placing this firmly at the board. Uh, this is the board's responsibility and they're holding people accountable, they're holding boards accountable for delivery of this. And I think it's uh, it is something that boards need to recognise that they have that responsibility, and they should expect the FCA to dem- to ask them how they are meeting uh, the expectations. Uh, so yeah, so I'm sure your your listeners will be familiar with the senior managers regime, but this is very much kind of uh, it's there as a mechanism to ensure that this is is, is implemented. Thank you, and so. One one of the things that I'm particularly interested in, as are many of the fintechs that integrated finance works with, is how important, uh, I, I know I touched on this er- earlier in my call, but you have the FCA whose uh, job is to protect users of financial services, uh, whether, whether bank or otherwise. And then you have ESG, which is the impact um, of those financial services that may not direct, may not always be directly attributed to the services that they offer. Um, what wh- what is priority number one for the SCA, and and why are they focusing so much on conduct? Okay, May. Yeah. So, consumer preventing consumer harm. Um, has always been at the top of the FCA's agenda, has been for a long, long time. Um, and also the the conduct of an organization, accountability, therefore has become a sort of major, a major 
um, area of focus um, for the the FCA. Um, and the the reason I guess it's become such an important um, an important theme is because back if we look at the the um, the sort of credit crunch back in 2007-2008 um, a lot of that when the when the regulators looked to understand what had gone wrong there was no accountability and there was there was sort of uh, no one taking ownership it was a bit like murder in the Orient Express the lights went out someone stabbed someone but nobody everybody stood back and says well it wasn't me but there's someone dead on the floor here someone did it um, and I think they really wanted to um, remove this opportunity for for people to, um, you know, especially senior managers and businesses to sort of step back and say, oh, that's nothing to do with me. So it it's all about conduct. It's all about um, it's, it's ethical behavior, of course. It's about doing the right thing uh, by consumers. And it's just making sure that people um, are accountable for their actions, because if you're more accountable for your actions, You'll think not only about what you are doing, but what the people who are reporting to you are doing and therefore making sure that um, they are not compromising uh, your um, yourself in terms of your regulatory obligations and responsibilities. That's the end of the episode, but not the end of the interview. We'll continue discussing all things FCA and ESG and how fintechs are sitting in the middle of them and where the world of compliance is moving to in the future. That episode will go live soon and the best thing you can do is to not miss it. So subscribe to the podcast. See you next week.